1: Our first lesson today comes from two sections of the book of Lamentations. It's chapter 1 and actually 1 through 6, not chapter 1, verse 16. we will begin again. Chapter 1, verse 1. Listen now to the Word of God. How lonely sits the city that once was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She that was great among the nations, she that was a princess among the provinces, has become a vassal. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers she has no one to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her and they have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile with suffering and hard servitude And she lives now among the nations, and finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to the festivals. All her gates are desolate, her priests groan, her young girls grieve, and her lot is bitter. Her foes have become the masters, her enemies prosper because the Lord has made her suffer for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. From daughter Zion has departed all her majesty. Her princes have become like stags that find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. And then pushing or pulling over, continuing over to chapter 3, In verse 19, the thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and His mercies never come to an end. And they are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, and it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: The New Testament lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke in the 17th chapter. Let us listen that we may hear what God will share with us this day. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave, you have just come, who has just come in from plowing and tending sheep in the field, come here at once and sit at this table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put it on an apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what is commanded? Do you also, when you have done all that you were comm- ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done." The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Having our world upended, turned upside down, is not a pleasant experience. And many people today think that the world is being turned upside down, not necessarily in a good way. We have all sorts of fears and chaos about what is happening in our politics, and our social order, not only in our country, but in other places around the world. When we get closer to home, we are find situations where we struggle with disease in ourselves or in a loved one, job security, aging parents or raising children, substance abuse and death, and any number of other things that impinge on us. They are but a few of the challenges and threats that loom over us in our personal lives as well as that of our community. In one way, the disciples were living in a world where things were falling in around them, and so it makes perfect sense for them to say to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. Certainly, the order of the world made them want to ask that. But if you listen to what Jesus had said, just in the verses prior to their request, you may conclude that Jesus had also rocked their world. In verses 1 through 4 of chapter 17, Jesus says it is better to be a millstone, to have a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown into the deepest part of the sea than to cause one of your brothers or sisters to stumble. It is better to be thrown away than to create confusion and distraction in the world. And then Jesus says, if a person sins against you and requests forgiveness, if they sin seven times in a day, you are required to forgive them seven times in that day. Don't wait. Do it then. Most of us, Struggle, well, may, maybe you don't, but I know I do. Struggle with this whole thing about forgiveness. What does it mean? But even when we ask for it in, in a halting or even a, a, an incomplete way, when someone asks us for it, then we want to hold on to it. It is not a… Uh, that there is a reason that in our, in our use of the Lord's Prayer, we say debts, because we want to accumulate. And if we are holding debts from other people, then that means we're the winners. We want to go to that bottom line. We want to be winners. And even if it is about the subject of forgiveness, we want to win. It's part of human nature. We need faith to deal with all of these challenges, with the challenge of how do we forgive, with the challenge of circumstances in our lives, with the challenge of being an impediment to someone else. We need faith. And so it makes perfect sense for the disciples to say, Lord, increase our faith. But Jesus says, faith is not simply a magic bullet. Faith is something else. Now, Jesus did not refer to the writings of, in Lamentations in the Old Testament when He was speaking, but I think they're very applicable. <clears throat> in Lamentations, it was written during the time that the children of Israel had, had been defeated by the Assyrians and they had been taken… a large number of them had been taken in captivity and physically relocated several hundred miles away from their land in Jerusalem and Judah and taken to Babylon. They were imprisoned far away from home. The psalmist puts it this way, how do we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Yet, in this reading from Lamentations, there is a wailing and a despair, for that is what a lamentation is, And at the same time, there is a word of hope and of faith. Chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord God. Great is your faithfulness, not great as ours, but great is God's faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Some translations render that, Lord, we are not cut off. Despite all of the difficulties and the troubles in the world, we are not cut off from God's faithfulness to us. It is there to reach out to and to hold on to. It is in the small things in life where great actions come. Persistence and conviction will make a difference in the small things in life. Jesus said faith is like a very small seed. And with that very small amount of faith, you can do great things. You can pick up a tree and throw it into the ocean. That seems to be both impossible and absurd for us to think of it in those ways. Yet, in a real way, Jesus is saying with a small amount of faith, you can do some pretty remarkable things because small things matter. Small things transform us. Small things have consequences. In the novel To Kill a Mockingbird, Harper Lee tells the story of a young girl named Scout in a small town in Alabama during the Depression in the 1930s. It also tells the story of Tom, who is an African-American, He is falsely accused of of a crime, but the white mob goes to the jail to try to break him out because they seek to do ill to him, to seek to do harm to him. Scout's father, Atticus, is Tom's lawyer, so he goes to the jail to try to help form a protection for, for, um, for Tom. And Scout trails along with her father. Maybe it's an early variation of take your daughter to work day. When Atticus realizes that Scout has come with him, he tells her to go home, to run home. This is no place for a little girl. But Atticus… but, but Scout persists as she stays in the shadows. And she watches the mob as they get angrier and angrier. And then at one point she steps out of the shadows and she identifies one man… Mr. Cunningham. And she says to him, hey, Mr. Cunningham, don't you remember me? I go to school with Walter. He's your boy, ain't he? We brought him home for dinner one time. Tell your boy hey for me, will you? Immediately, there's a pall that that comes over the crowd, uneasy shifting among these men who were part of the mob. And Mr. Cunningham comes forward and he squats down and he looks Scout in the eye and he says, I'll tell you, I'll tell him that you said, hey, little lady. And the mob breaks apart. Scout whispered words of faith and grace. What was to make her think that what she would say would Change the outcome of that night. She had that mustard seed faith and she opened one man's eyes and heart and soul. And instead of ill coming from it, then there was some presence of something very, very different. We're like that, we human beings. Things are not always clear in our world. And to be honest, you know and I know that To Kill a Mockingbird is a work of fiction. It is a novel. It's not real. Yet, at the same time, there is truth there. There is power there. And the truth is that even in the midst of the challenges and the circumstances, the smallest word can transform our lives and the circumstances that are around us. Early in my ministry, I was the pastor of a, a, a church in a small town in eastern North Carolina. We had a session meeting, much like the session meeting that Ed reported on, and at one point, one of the elders got upset about something. I don't really remember what he got upset about, but he went into a rant. And it lasted, and everybody kind of shifted and looked at their feet. And do, you do the kind of things that happen when people get upset and didn't know what to do. And, and when he had kind of peaked and begun to settle down, one of the other men in the room looked at him and said, Charles, you know that ain't right. They had known each other for many, many years. And. They were able to call upon a depth of relationship whereby faith could be borne witness to. Grace could live. Yeah, and Charles knew he wasn't right, and he let that faith wash over him. We nurture those seeds of faith in our life in different sorts of relationship— Scout did it with Mr. Cunningham. Those two elders long ago did it. You may have had circumstances where you have it. We live in a world where we have to have relationships and we have to be willing to reach out. It's tough in this day and time, no doubt about it. It's tough in families, in church, in our community, in our nation. This week maybe even today, allow yourself to live in your relationships with those small voices, those small words, those small acts where you reach out and you share in faith a word of grace. You share in faith the possibility that things will be different. You share in faith the hope that what we know now is not all there is, but that God is at work among us, transforming us, making us, creating in us new possibilities, new things, new goodness. God came to create a world that was full of all the wonders of fruit. May you bear the fruit of faith, the wonder of love, and the goodness of hope. Thanks be to God, amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.